0: Welcome to the Freedom City Church Podcast, a podcast designed to help your faith thrive. We hope you enjoy today's message. Something crazy happened this weekend. Something hasn't happened for a while. The Eagles won, <laughs> <laughs> and three men lost.
1: Uh,
0: and everything was right with the world. Once again, go
1: to
0: the Dockers. Go to the Dockers. <laughs> What a crazy weekend. I did not expect it. I didn't even watch it. That's no how oh, much faith yeah. I have in my eagles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let me tell you about my faith in Jesus.
1: Come
0: on. Come on. It's good to see Tim and Cherie as well. We love you guys. I hope that Singapore was fantastic. Um, it's been a crazy month or so in church and there's been... Uh, People going away and people get sick. I know that um, the Davis family, um, Lenny, they almost got out. And Lenny got COVID. Uh. Uh, come on, Lenny. Uh, like, <laughs> come on, man. Um, hello to everyone who's watching on Freedom Family on the Facebook page. We, um, you don't have to be here to be part of what's going on. It's so important to realise that you know, we, we value this so much, but we value our day-to-day connections, our catch-ups, all those sorts of things, all the stories that we can share with each other, living life together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's kind of indicative of um, what Jesus did with his disciples, with his family, his friends. Jesus didn't text songs like, oh, hope you're well. Uh, Jesus made a journey, or Jesus went and saw someone. Yeah. I was thinking about that the other day. How many friends would you have? If you didn't have Facebook or we didn't have technology,
1: how many friends would we
0: actually have? I think we'd have less, (coughs) but we'd have amazing friends. Mm. So the friends that we do have, or would have, would be just the best friends ever. (laughs) I mean, I kind of want that. I don't don't, don't know. This is not what I'm preaching (laughs) about, this is just just something that's on my mind. I'm preaching today about something called <coughs> Disciple Makers. Say Disciple Makers.
1: Disciple Makers.
0: This is a directive message for the church. Because I believe that we're in an exciting space as a church. If you just look over in this back corner here, at some point you will see, smell, or hear a child. <laughs> you know, it's just such an exciting
1: <laughs> space
0: to be in. I don't know if you, you realize this, but for years, um, Charlie was one of the only children. So Charlie would rock up and just hang out. And, and everyone loved him then.
1: Now he's the big
0: one, he's the annoying one. You know, but it's like, for years, we're in an exciting space, transitional space. We've done a lot first this year. We've had, for the, for the first time we went and had a kids' um, takeover, and that was fantastic. You know, Quanti did a fantastic job. We had our first church camp. We've already looked at, um, going back to Tim Barra, but we're looking at accommodation to make sure it's nicer for everyone. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> but we, we've also, we had um, Pastor Joel, try on the come us, for the first time in our history. Absolutely fantastic to have Pastor Joel. That's actually something I want to just touch on quickly, is that Pastor Joel Ken spoke to us um, last week, the week before, and well, I said to him, Pastor Joel, "I really just want you to talk to us about discipleship. What is discipleship? What have you experienced? What's what's your your story? If you don't know who Pastor Joel is, he's the head pastor, senior pastor of Center Point Churches. They have quite a few churches in Perth, but he's also the state president for the ACC, uh, which is our movement. So there's there's." Um, a lot of churches, there are over 9,000 ACC churches in Australia and he's the state president and he's also on the national exec for Australia, for ACC churches, Australia wide. Yeah, so he's someone who's been around, he's seen a lot and he's um, gone through many churches, big, small, ugly, toxic, healthy, vibrant. But the thing that he really started off with us he said that over the past few years the church has been shaken. If you look at the church worldwide, the church has been shaken. It's like something's happened and it's like we've, we've, pastors are, are having less people rock up and people decide that online is, is now the better way to do church and people are just across the, uh, the world, we're being put into an uncomfortable position because for so long people have built their churches around attendance, they've built their uh, churches around programs, they've built their churches around your social media presence. And the thing though, that Pastor Joel is saying that they're picking up the trend that a lot of people are turning to, which is kind of funny that it hasn't been this way before, the discipleship. The church is returning to discipleship. What is discipleship? We're returning to it. And it's kind of, what I'm going to say is funny, is it seems like we should never have gotten away from it. Mm. But what I've realised is that we've become less intentional about discipleship and we've become more focused on leadership skills and business strategy.
1: Mm.
0: And I'm guilty of this. When you listen to preachers, They'll all have their bets, they'll all have their like, all right, this is how you do it, grow, um, like John C. Maxwell, you know, the leadership there leader, grow, as much as you can grow, the people if like you can grow, all these sorts of things, and you're like, oh, that makes sense, because it makes sense business-wise, it makes sense leadership-wise, but there's something about discipleship that we have drifted away from, so when we talk about discipleship, we quote the Great Commission, who knows where the Great Commission is now. What chapter?
1: Matthew.
0: Matthew.
1: Twenty-eight.
0: Red, twenty-eight, Red, 28 Red, isn't it? Matthew twenty-eight. Yes, we got this. Well done. <laughs> 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 the Great Commission, and we—it's about making disciples, and we teach discipleship principles. But there's actually a necessity for us to return to uh, this word here. Hold this word here. To return to the apprenticeship of Jesus. An apprenticeship. I don't know if that's something you've heard before, but apprenticeship is actually a word or a description that we can actually hold on to very confidently when Jesus is talking about discipleship. And it's not about getting paid nothing and working long hours and drinking day hours coffees. That's not the apprenticeship we're talking about. We're talking about an apprenticeship that was based about having a master teacher from the master teacher. But we'll get to that in a point. But what, I want to talk about something, a quote by Pete Scazzaro. Um, well, can you put it up on the, the screen, please.
1: One of the greatest
0: gifts we can give our world is to be a community of emotionally healthy adults who love love. This will take the power of God and a commitment to learn, grow, and break the unhealthy, destructive patterns that go back generations in our families and cultures, and in some cases, our Christian cultures too. Remember, Jesus formed a community with a small group from Galilee, a backwards province in the ancient world. They were neither spiritually nor emotionally mature. Peter, the point leader, had a big problem with his mouth and was a bundle of contradictions. Andrew, his brother, was quiet and behind the scenes. James and John were given the the nicknames, the Sons of Thunder. It's not as cool as you think. Because they were aggressive, hard headed ambitious, and intolerant. Philip was skeptical and negative. He had limited vision. We can't do that, summed up his faith, when confronted by the problem of feeding the 5,000. Nathaniel Bartholomew was prejudiced and opinionated. Matthew was the most excellent person in Copernicus. That's, that's pretty big. Working in a profession that abused innocent people. Thomas was melancholy, mildly depressive, and, and pessimistic. James, son of Alphaeus, and Judas, son of James, were nobodies. The Bible says nothing about them. Simon the Zealot was a freedom fighter, a terrorist in his day. He was was a legit anarchist. A legitimate anarchist. But we can talk about that a bit more later. But Judas the the treasurer was a thief and a loner. He pretended to be loyal to Jesus before finally betraying him. Most of them, however, did have one great quality they were women. That is all God asks of us. They were broken, weird, crazy, opinionated people. But when the invitation, because it's an invitation, to follow Jesus came, they were willing. And I want to ask you this morning are you willing to return to the apprenticeship of Jesus? Are you willing to lean back into what it means to be a disciple? You're, you're broken. Yes, I'm broken. All of Jesus' disciples were broken. But they learned and they submitted themselves to Christ's tutelage as imperfect people. They're, in, they're intentional with their decision to follow Christ. It wasn't half in, half out. But they fully invested in themselves into becoming like Christ. You know, when, when you say yes to something, Tim Renshaw said this at there connect the other day, when you say yes to something, you say no to something else. By saying yes to this, I'm going to say no to this. By saying yes to following Jesus, I'm going to say no to following idols and things of this world. Paul then later on says, let your yes be yes, your no be no. Hmm. If I'm going to follow Jesus, I want my willingness to be so concrete. I want it to be, yes, I am a disciple of Jesus. Therefore, I'm going to submit myself to his tutelage at all times. Hmm. At all times. It's becoming a little less enticing to become a disciple because sometimes we don't want to follow Jesus and his example. But people were like, oh, do you know Jesus? He's like, nah. <laughs> oh yeah, surely you're, you're with you with him. I wasn't with him. Why? Because it was easier to say no. I think discipleship for us is something that we need to return to. Because being a disciple is not about a starting point. It's about your willingness. Being a disciple is not about your skill set. It is about your intentions and it's not about your past, but it's about who you are committing to, your your future to. Discipleship is not about your past, but it's about who you're committing your future to. So, I want to talk about the idea. Of becoming a disciple-making church. Does that sound good? Yep. Mm-hmm. Who wants to be a disciple-making church? <laughs> I do. I want to be a disciple-making church. So why discipleship? There's a pastor in Perth, he, he heads up Faith Community Church. He's been Pastor Benny Ho. I read his book recently, it's absolutely phenomenal. But he has this quote, it says without discipleship we will end up next uh, slide please. Well cool. without discipleship we will end up with size but no depth. Religion without relationship, outward appearance without inward authenticity. Without radical discipleship, we will be left with the tragic reality of growth without depth, multiplication without maturity, size without substance. I want to be mature. I want to be a mature Christian. I want to be mature. Disciple. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Who knows Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Not <laughs> See, he's the guy that planned to assassinate Hitler. Fun fact Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He didn't. Unfortunately. <laughs> Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. Hmm. Whoo! Discipleship is essential to our faith. And I know that we've talked about discipleship, discipleship, and it's something that's thrown around so much, but let's unpack it. Let's get into it. If we remove discipleship from Christianity, we will remove Jesus Christ from what from the reason he came into this world to make disciples. If we remove Jesus' uh, discipleship from Christianity, we take the great commission that Jesus. Gave us at the end we said, alright, so that's optional. That doesn't matter. It's not actually that important. Because when he left, he gave a command. The Great Commission wasn't an option, unfortunately. There was a command. Go and make disciples. So, we need more discipleship in the church. And before you get into uh, uh, discipleship means I have to serve more, discipleship means I have to go to more programs, discipleship means that I need to know my my Torah back to front. These are all parts of it, discipleship. Discipleship boils down to the teacher and your willingness to submit yourself to the master teacher. Unfortunately though, we are in a time... When the church in the West, for the most part, has reduced Christianity to a confession of faith. You're labelled a Christian because you agree with certain facts and consent to them. But we've removed discipleship as a requirement and created a dichotomy that says you can be a Christian without being a disciple. We've removed the idea, the fact that when I am saved, I automatically a student of Jesus. When I am saved, I am automatically brought into this. I am submitting myself to your tutelage, Christ, and Jesus. And we've said that I can be a Christian without being a disciple. The fact is, you're a disciple. Hmm. And there's nothing you can do about it. As you are saved, the grace that we receive from Jesus there's nothing you can do to receive that. But when you receive that, you are automatically made a disciple. How mature you become as a disciple comes down to your willingness. It comes down to your willingness to t- submit yourself to a teacher to learn. Hands up who studied here at some point in their life. You studied, I know you studied, you are hand surgeon.
1: Right. Oh, Ever. Or here? Ever. Like, I Ever. Kind of Ever. In Australia.
0: Oh, sorry, that's very literal. I have, also seen the I have always. I have picture. <laughs> my degree. I'm not just cutting the hands open onto that. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a degree. When you study, you trust what the people are telling you. Unless you're super skeptical. You say, alright, you're my lecturer, you're my teacher. I'm going to learn from you. I'm going to come here because I submitting myself, putting myself in the place of a student. When we are disciples, we are putting ourselves in the place of a student. Like I was saying, the Great Commission says, go and make disciples of all nations. And Jesus said, make disciples like you have been made a disciple. That was the first example of, this is how you do it. This is how how you do it. (laughs) <laughs> everyone was seeing that. This is how you do it. You see, as I have made disciples, therefore go and make more disciples. That's the the most pure example of discipleship was Jesus. So he says, Do as I did, make disciples as I did. There was a clear vision of what the church should be and the example that they could follow. But like I said, over time there's been a movement away from discipleship and sometimes we 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 find it cringeworthy because we say oh discipleship is synonymous with extra programs, extra serving. I have to give up a year of my life to do a discipleship course, which is crazy to think that a discipleship course could be done in a year because Jesus did his three, so that's <laughs> you're saying that you're three times better than Jesus. And it's like discipleship. Is not a 12-month commitment that we sign up to on an Bible study that we attend. Biblically, the word for disciple, like I was saying, is a learner who follows a master teacher or an apprentice who follows a master teacher. So in contrast to our Western era, learning in Jesus' time was actually very relational and policy. Discipleship meant much more than the transfer of information that refers to the imitating of the teacher's life and calculating his values and reproducing his teachings. Therefore, Christian discipleship promotes a relationship with a vast teacher following them and adhering to their way of life because the teaching shapes your own worldview. So, like now, we're saying discipleship is I'll come to church and I'll hear Andrew talk and i will be discipled once a week because Andrew, or Nisha, or Bobby, or Dave, or Stu, someone gets up and shares a nice message. That's my discipleship. Whereas, biblically, it meant that there was a holistic relationship with the Master Teacher. Hmm. The disciples, legitimately, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Andrew, John, follow me, they quit their jobs, and they followed him. And they lived with Jesus. And they saw what Jesus did. And they learned his values. They learned that Jesus would fall asleep in a boat when there was a storm. And they learned that Jesus would oppose religious Pharisees and whatnot, legalism. They learned that Jesus would go to the socially oppressed, the women, the lepers, and say, actually, you are welcome in the kingdom of God. So they'll, they'll learn by watching, and they'll learn by doing. Whereas nowadays, discipleship, we kind of put it in this place of rock up to church, learn from a message, and then the next discipleship thing happens on Sunday, or on your Discipleship is based in relationship. With a master teacher. Based in their relationship with Jesus. You know, he knows the whole thing that Jesus had 12 disciples, three, three friends and one close friend. The twelve disciples that would he would let teach and they would follow him around, three, one of them that would actually were closer to Jesus, and the one disciple who was so close that he would have he lay on his chest, on his breast. That's a, 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 an understanding of intimacy and closeness. You know, discipleship is based in relationship. I've been talking a lot recently about your inner life. Your inner life. That there's nothing that we can do to receive the salvation that God has given to us. It can't be bought or earned. And I really wanted to make a point before we start talking more about discipleship, that there's nothing that you can do that can make God love you more than He loves you right now. There's nothing that you will do that can make God love you less at any point. There's nothing you can do. Ephesians 2, eight to 10 This is my favourite verse in the whole Bible, Well verse is. For by grace you have been saved through faith, this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are in His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Look at the, step, the, the passage structure. You have been saved by grace through faith, it is not your own doing, not a result of works, so do not boast. But hey, you've been made in my image to do good works which have been prepared before that so that we should walk in them. There's a clear picture here. Nothing you could do to receive this salvation to become a disciple. But hey, there's stuff, there's works for you to walk out. There's a life, a holy life that you can walk out. And it doesn't change when you become a disciple of Jesus. What does happen is that your relationship with Christ becomes inspiration for your actions. My relationship with Christ becomes inspiration for my actions. I'm not going to love you if I don't feel loved. I'm not going to come to church and preach if I don't feel that God has spoken to me and He's loved me. I'm not going to fake it. Well, I might fake it, but you'll be able to see straight through it. One of our values at, your, at our city is authenticity; is inviting. So, if you ever, if you ever see me being inauthentic, is that word inauthentic? You'll know. You'll know if I'm failing something. And I hope the same will be for the way that we treat each other. But our faith, our relationship with Jesus, is the inspiration for our actions. Because discipleship is based in the relationship with Christ. Yeah? We did not walk with Jesus like Peter and John did. So that's one thing that we do not have. We don't have that direct. I, I saw Jesus walk water. water. We do not have that direct. Um, I saw Jesus with the holes in his hands. I saw him um, go to the cross, die, be resurrected. I don't, we don't have that. What we have is the Holy Spirit. So, with the Holy Spirit, we then have to realise that, like I was talking about, our inner life, or some theology calls it your interior life, is where the basis of discipleship actually happens. The inner life is a life which seeks God in everything, a life of prayer and the practice of living in the presence of God. It connotes, connotes intimate, friendly conversation with Him and a determined focus on internal versus external actions, while these latter are, tra- uh, are transformed into men's prayer. According to John Paul II, Jesus' statement about the vine, without me you can do nothing, is a truth that constantly reminds us of the primacy of Christ and in union with him, the primacy of material life and of holiness. And in his first encyclical, Benedict the XVI, Roman Eurals, XVI, how much is that? 16. I- 16, I remember this before. Anyways. <laughs> Emphasize that man that man cannot always give. He must always receive. Can I just say, I want to stop. If you are giving and you are not receiving, stop. <laughs> what I mean by that is stop literally and try, take some time to receive from God. If you're giving and not receiving, you're going into debt, spiritually and emotionally. If you're giving and not receiving, you have the limited time before you actually might spiritually burn yourself out. Receive. Stop. Receive. He says, man cannot always give, you must also receive. And He pointed to the urgency and importance of experiencing in prayer that this God is love. God is love. He taught that the Christian's dialogue with God allows God to work. For God is the only one who can make the world both good and happy. So when we look at discipleship, it's not just about doing more, but it's about knowing what the master teacher would do And doing that. And how do we know what the Master Teacher is doing? We spend time with Him. We do as He did. We pray to Him. We read about Him. The Bible is so valuable. Such a gift. And everything relates and can come back to this inner life that we have. Through the Holy Spirit with God. John five nineteen says, Jesus said to them, "Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of His own accord, but only what He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise." And this is not a picture of God up in heaven being like, and didn't like, All right, jump like that, jump like that." It's not this thing of like, "I'm going to watch God the whole time." He coughs I just mimic exactly what he does. That's puppetry. That's ventriloquism. That's not what we want. What it means is that Jesus was not having repeated visions of the Father. What he was doing is seeing the Father in, a, in an intimate relationship he had. He had, a, he had a perfect, a perfect place of unity and yielding. This idea of yielding is, is something that we. We don't talk about much, but I yield unto your will. I yield unto what you are doing. I yield unto what you say is best. I yield my will. I yield unto you. So discipleship is a tension between doing, being, and doing that we have to maintain. Being in the presence of God, being in that place of knowing Him,
1: God. Like abiding, all these things that we've talked about
0: recently—going to church, camp—we talk like abide, abide, abide. I have received so I can give. I have received so that I can give. But this is, my, this is what I really need to make a point: is like if we say I receive so I can give, that that changes. It becomes about other people. But if we say receive so I can because I'm in relationship with God then his love inspires us to give it's like it's like someone saying like, oh yeah that's that's great but the, oh that's that's really nice but like the first statement just gets un- undermined straight away because but then emphasizes this the next part and makes the most important thing Yeah, receive, but, so you can give. No, receive, so you can receive. And then be inspired to give to the world because God has asked us to, He's called us to, but He wants us to start in this place of relationship. I only do what I see my Father doing. Jesus did not for works to be approved of, but He did because He knew the will of the Father. You still with me? Yeah.
1: Are
0: you still willing yes. to be a disciple? Uh, over the years, I've been working on an example of how I could see discipleship outworking in somebody. And this is something that I uh, will be uh, leaning into as we move forward. But I call it the discipleship trinity. Oh, I haven't copyrighted that because it's the word, I've stolen it from someone else probably, but it's like the discipleship trinity. And this is something I thought I started thinking about years ago. And over my time uh, being a disciple, uh, disciple people, I've learned that this is how I, I've seen some of the major points, major things that we need to focus on as Christians when we're disciples. You might have different thoughts well, about discipleship it is. And I'm just saying that this is My example, my understanding, there is always going to be more, but this is just a simple way that I've been able to describe it. So I believe that if we follow the example of Christ in these areas, we will grow in maturity, we'll experience the love of God in a greater way, and we will make disciples. Because that's the thing. Disciple-making church means that I've been made a disciple to therefore make disciples. I a make disciples. Then go, then go and make disciples. So the discipleship tree, I call it spirit, word, and character. Say spirit. 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 I believe that God works in praise. Okay. It was a joke. I said pause for joke. This is a training. a training. I believe. That we are invited into an apprenticeship where we can become strong in communion with the Spirit, strong in knowledge of the Word, and strong in depth of character. So, our ability to move in the spiritual gifts, to pray with power and authority, to see miracles, to discern and engage the spirit in spiritual warfare, will reflect the life that Jesus lived. When we're talking about spirituality, communion with the Spirit, the spiritual gifts, speaking in tongues, moving in your, the gifts, that Jesus you have to understand, was the most spiritual person that has ever lived. He experienced the greatest communion with the Spirit that anyone will ever do. So the example that Jesus had was that He knew intimately the Holy Spirit and He lived from that place. His spirituality was based in God's love. No miracle or prayer was based on ego, but it all came from a knowledge that he was in communion with the Father. So when he performed miracles and healings, it wasn't for show, but it was for God's glory. So being a disciple, doing it as Jesus did, invites us into a spirituality that makes the Orthodox cringe and the skeptic shudder. But for those who are seeking and hungry, Christ-like spirituality is water from their sign. So discipleship without an outward manifestation of God's power often is lacking. <laughs> And discipleship without an inward recognition of God's presence is that. We spoke, I visited, uh, I visited the Hills of Tibet group, and they're speaking about our spiritual warfare, uh, the, the final thing of the prayer prayer um, course. And it's funny how the Western culture has moved so far away from embracing spirituality. I don't know what it is, maybe there's just a. Like a we're a bit apathetic, you know, like, you don't, when we see people move in certain ways or something that's not normal, we respond to it in a way that's like, that's different, that's weird. I, have I told you the story about uh, at PCLC, you know, I had the nickname of being the Super spirit. Guy. I was a Super Spiro guy. Do you know what I did? I, I, I ran a prayer meeting out of the youth, young adults and I used to pray with my friends quite a lot, Yeah. and I got labeled as the super-spirit. I think what we have to understand is that if we want to mature in our, as a disciple, spirituality, communion with the Spirit, is not something that is, becomes like, oh this is the, an optional thing, this is a side thing, it's the base of it. Jesus. When Jesus went to heaven, the Bible didn't drop out of the sky. It's better that I should go that the Word should drop out of the sky. Imagine if that was it. No, Jesus went and said, I, it's better that I should go that the Spirit should come. So, we communion with the Spirit is so integral to our life. And like we've done, we went and prayed and we went and did the, the time by ourselves. It's so hard in a busy, hurried world, to have a healthy spirituality. Because I'm I'm constantly thinking I don't have space or time. I right? oh I need a cooked dinner, I've got bills to pay. It's not I don't have time to to spend with God, to be in communion with the spirit. But if we realise that actually without the spirit even reading the Word of God is lacking. It says in the Bible, uh, it talks about like opening the eyes of my heart. It also talks about in Corinthians that they do not understand spiritual things because they do not have the spirit. So if we're trying to read the Bible and understand the spiritual truths of the Bible, it's going to be very hard. It's going to be a dry text. Who's ever read the Bible and been like, this is boring? Who's ever gone through the Old Testament and been like, why? Why, God? What's the point of Leviticus? You know, it's like, what is the point? But the Spirit was sent to bring things to life. For us to see the beauty that is in there, the depth of it. The next part is the Word. Knowledge of the Word. I remember years ago talking to a friend of mine, um, back at an old church, and they were a youth leader, a big youth group, and they were asking me about my Bible college studies, and I mentioned to them that, I'm studying theology, and they replied, oh, theology's not really my thing. I'm glad you like it, though. And in that moment, I was like, I know you don't fully understand what you're saying, but... Because theology is not a degree that you study. Theology is inherent to who we are. This is a uh, a quote by a man named a scholar named Wade Rose. A misconception has grown among Christians that there's a great gulf that exists between ordinary Christians and theologians. For some, that perceived gap creates fear. For others, it creates suspicion and resentment. We want to close that gap by showing that everyone, especially every Christian, is a theologian. And that every professional Christian is simply a Christian whose vocation is to do what all Christians do in some way. Think and teach about God. It is based on two words in the Greek which combined to make one word. Theology. Theos and logos. Theos means God and logos means word, reason or thought. Thus, theology is simply the process of thinking or reasoning about God. You are a theologian. Turn to the person next to you and say, I am a theologian. Oh, thank you. you are a theologian. Understanding the Word of God, reading the Bible, thinking, reasoning and teaching about God is essential to being a disciple. And we'll do it, we'll do it as a mature disciple or an immature disciple. There's no no such thing as, like, right or wrong theology, people say. There's just good or bad theology. Mm. Because we all have our understanding. Traditions have taught us. TV has taught us. Our theology, our understanding and reasoning about God has been taught to us. So it's important that we go and find a clear understanding of the Word of God that we can share to others as we teach them. So being a disciple, being strong, the knowledge of the word of God goes hand in hand. And this is the thing, you may not be confident in reading your Bible right now, but we have to have a willingness to learn and grow. One of the amazing things about this modern uh, modern era is the access that we have to, to teaching of the theology online. Every time I talk to Stu about something, I'm like, I don't know that. I'm learning. But he has gone and he has done. And he has found truth. Theological truths, Understandings about God. You know, there's some things that we learn and we glean from other people, but we also need to understand that if we're learning away from people, we want to trust that what they're saying is good. So if I have a knowledge of the Word... I read it and I'm willing to learn and grow in it, we're gonna actually be a disciple that when we teach something, we teach truth. I have two ways of reading my Bible. And don't don't hate me for this. I, I do quantity and quality. I risk I listen to my Bible on two times speed. I listen to it on two times speed. So when I'm driving, it's two times speed and it just goes in. It just goes in. The Holy Spirit receives. it goes in, it goes in. Then I'll sit down at different times and I'll do Bible studies. Or I'll watch videos online, or I'll learn, or I'll read your quality. But one of, the, one of the greatest tricks is speeding up your Bible reading. Two times. Just do it. And it gets into you. And, you read it. I, mean, and I I've had so many revelations where I'm just listening to it. And then I'm like, oh, stop. I'm like, oh. If I had tried to read this super slowly, I wouldn't have got to this when when I got to it. You know, quantity and quality. Reading the Word of God is something that I do as soon as I get into the car. I press play on my audio Bible. When I go to the shower, I get my uh, I get my Bluetooth speaker and I press play and I, have it, and I listen to the Word. It's not it's not sitting down with teacher teacher lights and a cup of tea and what like and I think i it's actually about, I'm just going to get it into me, I'm just going to read it, because whatever's in me, the Holy Spirit can use. So I may not be confident enough in it, but a disciple has awareness to learn and grow, and the Bible is one of the greatest gifts that we have received as the church, one of the greatest gifts. The Bible, I love my Bible. I met up with a very the other day and we, um, we, was, we opened up Galatians. We didn't read much of it, but we opened up Galatians and we just read, read through um, and, and some of the verses about grace, that is based on grace. And then we had a two-hour conversation based off that. It's amazing what the Word of God can inspire. So the Spirit opens our eyes when we're strong in communion with the Spirit, the Word, uh, we're strong in the knowledge of the Word, it influences and it changes our character. So the next part of discipleship is that God I believe God believes in holistic discipleship. The thing about talking about the spirit and the word is that it can be external to who you actually are. Because the spirit, I can I connect with spirit, spirit so the whole spirit decided. The word, the word is something that I read. But holistic discipleship. My communion with the Spirit of Knowledge and Word. The fruit of these two things results in my whole being being discipled. My whole being, emotionally, mentally, your personality, your character, who you are—these are all parts that can point to submission to Christ when you are a disciple. I put them under the umbrella of character, as they are mental and moral qualities distinctive to an individual. Question, do your mental and moral qualities reflect Christ? Christ. Do you think that your mental and moral qualities reflect Christ? Christ. Christ. Is the fruit of your life indicative of the life that Christ lived? Mm. Jesus was not just a good disciple. Jesus was a good person. I think sometimes we think that Jesus was this... He was an outcast to the religious zealots, yes. But sometimes we think that Jesus, how did he last for 30 years as a carpenter? Because he was a good person. He had siblings. Now he learned. He went and he was, ze- he was zealous in his learning. But he was a friend. He was a son. He was a good person. Jesus stood up for the marginalized Jesus opposed oppressive structures Jesus showed compassion to the undeserved He paid his taxes Jesus paid his taxes Jesus enjoyed long meals with friends When Jesus said yes, he meant yes He gave more grace and patience to people than he needed to Jesus' character His mental and moral qualities glorified God so when we think about discipleship, we cannot justify poor behavior or morality by saying it's just who I am because God has given us a pathway to Christ-likeness through discipleship. It's not just who I am because your whole being has been discipled. To be a good person. Yeah, you know, I want people like, if you had, if you could boil well, it down to one or two words. How would you want people to remember you? How do you want people to see you and talk about you? That's not separate to being Christ-like, because your whole being comes under the tutelage of Christ. I, know, I'd like, I want people to know, think that I'm kind. I want people to think that I'm patient. I want people to think that I, I am gracious to people. That's slow to anger. Can you say those things about yourself? Or what you would like to, to be remembered for? Because that's your character, that's the discipleship, the depth of character. That's not just external things that are discipleship, it's our whole being that is discipleship. Holistic discipleship. We are invited into an apprenticeship with Jesus as well by being his disciple. And all that is needed is a willingness to grow. So my question to you today is, I know this is a little up front, it, like, it might be a message that you're like, I wasn't expecting to hear, so I've never heard like this before, but that's okay, because I think there's a, a healthy invitation that the Bible constantly gives to us to live through the power and to to reflect the glory of God is this something that you want to respond to do you want to grow in in knowledge of the word the way that you can mean with the spirit in depth of character because I think we all do I don't think anyone's here is like nah dude, that stuff's stupid. <laughs> I just do what I want to do. I think all of us are like, yes, actually that's something that that I want. And I want to grow in these areas, I want to mature. So I want to pray for you. Just close your eyes. Father God, we thank you for your grace. That everything is done from a place of love and knowledge of your love for us. Lord, we thank you that there is nothing that we can do, that we will ever do, that will make you love us more than you already do. Lord, we thank you that when you died on the cross, you broke the power of the law, of sin, and you brought us into a new law that says that love your neighbor as yourself and love the Lord your God. Know. So Lord, I pray right now that You would teach us how to love You more. You'd show us how to love You more. You give us opportunities, and You would experience Your love more. God, we want to be faithful apprentices and disciples of You. Lord, so I just pray that we we would come to a place to realize that submission to Your tutelage. It's not a bad thing, but it is a good thing. In Jesus' name, amen. So, my message today, I'm going to go a bit more deeper into this sort of stuff as we move forward. But I want to encourage you. Connect groups. If you're not part of a connect group, get to one. Go into the Hilton Connect group. And our Connect Group on Friday, I want to come, I want to, come to yours at some point, but going to Connect Group on Wednesday and then our Connect Group on Friday was brilliant. It was so life-giving. Uh, but also, we started a monthly Bible study. So if you want to grow in your knowledge of the Word, there's a monthly Bible study, 7am. So you have to commit to it. You have to commit to it. But also, we're going to be bringing in some other pastors to come speak to us. I'm currently chasing down Pastor David Storer to come and do a discipleship night with us. And we're also uh, looking at doing something called the Emotionally Healthy Discipleship Course. So if you want to grow and you you want to grow as a disciple, there are options. There are ways that we can do it together. But it all comes back down to yourself spirit within you. Do I want to be a disciple? Do I have in my knowledge of Jesus? Yes. And go out, I encourage you, go out and do it. You can, you're able. I love you all. Thanks for tuning in to the Freedom City podcast. If there is any way that we can help you survive and thrive in your everyday life, we'd love to connect with you. If you'd want to know more about who we are, just head to www.freedomcityfremantle.com. Until next time, take care.